Quest Beyond. Carl, Ryan, and Sam review the new movies you may want to see and talk a little news along the way. Venture with them for The Quest Beyond. The Quest Beyond, back again another week to bring you the newest reviews for movies that are coming out currently on streaming service as we know the state of the world holds us back from going to theaters, especially in Ontario where we're on, we're, we're just getting out of full lockdown, but theaters aren't open yet. So we got that goodness for you. And on top of that, we got some news, maybe a couple less than last week. Maybe especially a couple less of breaking news like last week where we genuinely were in the middle of recording when The Last of Us news just decided to flood us and we had to stop and scramble and figure out what to do. So this time might be might be less quiet on the news side. We got a couple things though. And to top that off, I'm Ryan Starfire. I'm Martin Scorsese. Bah humbug. <laughs> I'm the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Deal with it. I'm Kyle, a.k.a. Lugan17. I'm going to start plugging that now. I'm Sam. Just Sam. Sam Mank Clennon. Yeah. (laughs) He's coming back. And yes, we are here this week to talk about and review One Night in Miami. And you can find out all about what that movie is when we get to the review later on, if you're not sure. But essentially, it is quite a conversational argument piece that, I guess, premiered on... I already forget where I watched this. It was on Prime Video. Yep, there we go. So on Amazon Prime, you could watch this bad boy. I believe it was released Christmas Day? Uh, and then yeah, and the holidays for sure. Yeah, I think it was Christmas Day. So there we go. And directed by Regina King. Yes, that Regina King from Mean Girls the Friday movies from Jerry Maguire, Cinderella Story, Daddy Daycare. <laughs> yeah, and the powerhouse Mighty Joe Young. Oh, and she also won an Oscar for If Beale Street Could Talk. Yeah, but and an Emmy cool. for Watchmen. No Emmy biggie. You might have heard of her, Regina King, up and rising star. She's married to uh, Black Manta. Actually, sorry, I should say he's married to her. I should flip yeah. that because she is a powerhouse. Wait, for real? Or are you talking about in the no, show? No, she's actually married to Black Manta. Yeah. What? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. AKA, <laughs> uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 he's blue. Dr. Manhattan. Thank you. Wow. <laughs> I was like, which one are you going to make him? Yeah. He's uh, awesome. yes, the He may or may not man. be new Candyman. Yeah. 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 Mateen the second. Yes. Fantastic. Good for there them. There we go. And they have a thirst for each other. You ever watch interviews <laughs> where they talk about each other? It's amazing. And I fully support it. Yep. Yeah. I'm it's down for that. Couple. Yeah. Let's uh, replace Will and Jaden. Not Jaden. Yeah. Jaden. <laughs> Will and Jaden. <laughs> <laughs> oh man Jada Jada yeah yeah move them aside place them we got the new power couple here and Brad and Andrew out yeah. it's all about Yaya and Regina before we get into that though and really dive into I guess the one half of that power couple we gotta talk about the news 
This just in, Paperboy Kyle, breaking news, extra, extra. Extra, extra, read all about it. Read this thing in a piece of news. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> that got a little creepy at the end. <laughs> it got a little, like, smoking too many cigarettes in there. Yeah. Sorry. That's yes. my pigeon voice from the children's books I read to my kid. So he talks like this because he's got a really narrow neck. Oh my god. Oh, it's a big hit with the kids, I'm telling you. Big hit. Well, we're gonna talk about a couple trailers that may or not may or may not have been big hits. And up first from the old Disneyland, we're getting a what was the Angelina Jolie uh um, Maleficent. There we go. Maleficent. Oh so we kinda got a spin off of a story. Focusing on the main villain, I believe we've gotten a similar story to this before with Glenn Close playing this role, but we're shooting younger this time. It's an origin story. We haven't had an origin story. (laughs) Yes. I've never seen those, especially with this character. Never. That is Cruella DeVille, who everyone was beating down the door after our last 101 Dalmatians movie that we got. And we're like, we need another another one but let's let's not even think about the dogs this time let's just focus on that character and let's get emma stone to play cruella which is the title of this movie coming out i believe may 28th of this year on disney plus i believe disney plus yeah and it's interesting because i almost would have preferred they just called it like c deville and you have to be be knowledgeable on the subject but i guess cruella is more iconic what are the chances so before we get into the trailer because this was not included sam i know we'll be the two discussing it how much money would you put down that the next trailer will have like a slow jam version of the cruella Deville song from the animated classic i'd be i'd put my house down oh wow at the very least, it's in the movie. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I would right. say that. Yeah. You're saying in the next trailer? I think so, yeah. I don't know. I feel like whatever the next trailer will be, it'll be a more expansive one that mm. would like show a tad more story. So they probably will use more score from the actual film. Yeah, that's probably true. That if feels I was like a 45 second teaser trailer thing to do. This trailer's yeah, short on. though. It's yeah, like it's, what was it like a an, minute, and minute half? and a half? Yeah, yeah. All right, so yeah. I, it's it's so short that I feel that it doesn't really give us anything, but also it sort of just outlines the plot of the movie, where this is, I think, part of the problem Maleficent had, which is. Well, they're not a bad, I'm saying guy as a pejorative, just they're not a full antagonist because of this other person, which I almost feel takes away from the iconography of the characters. Maleficent, in my opinion, and I think if you were to talk to hardcore Disney fans, Sam being one of them and him married, Maleficent is arguably one of the most iconic evil villains. Uh, that's uh, that's an oxymoron. Or uh, not. It's a d- double on... It's, it's a hat on a hat. <laughs> is one of the m- most iconic villains in Disney history. Maleficent. 
Yeah, it just 100%. even terms in a in aesthetic, and what I feel like they're almost cheating on is you can make movies about villains where we root for them, and they can be successful. But this, well, they're not all bad. Is that part concerns me, and the trailer does sort of pitch it that way. But I'm hoping by the end of the trailer we see her her coming out party and i'm hoping that's when emma stone who is arguably america's sweetheart i hope that's when she's like flips a switch and just is crazy because that's what i want from a cruella Deville movie i don't want like a let a toned down kate blanchett who i think's in this movie is in this movie kate blanchett or who plays i have to look I it think up emma thompson that's who it is yeah yes. i got them conv- yes yeah, sorry who was already in a remake of a Disney film, by the way. Which she was one? Mrs. She was Mrs. Potts. Oh, but that doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, there are parts of this I like. I think the aesthetic is kind of cool. It's almost grungy London. But I want crazy Cruella Div- The outfits are insane, and I think that's one of the successes of the trailer. But overall, I'm kind of just lukewarm on this. I think it's a good idea, but I'm concerned overall about the execution. Okay, so... What about you, Sam? Okay, guys. Remind me again. Cruella DeVille is a bad guy in 101 Dalmatians. Bad woman. And she wants to take the Dalmatians and kill them and then skin them and then wear their skin and fur as a coat or have several outfits yes this is what she wants yeah and so we are going to spend an entire movie knowing that she's going to reach that point that's kind of what we're just kind of like well let's let's watch anakin turn into darth vader sure let's not guarantee that there's going to be any killing of dogs in this movie (laughs) but let's just see how one that direction this is is what we're pointing at when I was watching the trailer, I was getting some like Joker vibes. And then I, you know, seeing the reactions online, I'm like, oh, okay, clearly I wasn't the only one. Other people have compared it to Joker trailers or Joker things. Like, like there's literally a scene where she wrote Cruella like all over the walls of, I think was that inside the house, Kyle? I don't know if you remember that. But um, I don't hear. I'm, I, I don't remember. You you want? You, I think Kyle. You said you want full on crazy Cruella. I think that they're gonna get there, and they're I gonna so. they're gonna justify it by like she was bullied by the elite, the like the fashion aristocrats, and um, it is a, a little concerning. Now there's the ambitious crossover. The aristocrats. <laughs> yeah, br- what they should honestly make aristocrats. What are we doing with the Cruellas and the? You know, all the other ones we've seen so far. It's like it's just about the butler. <laughs> oh, my God. That's all right. So here we go. I am i didn't even remember this. So this trailer starts off with classic Emma Stone in red hair. And she's like, okay, so here's the thing. I just, I'm slightly more disappointed now. I feel like this movie is going to be Joker and Devil Wears Prada had a baby. Sure. I think Joker is a movie. I think Devil Wears Prada is a cinematic masterpiece. And I'm concerned this is going to be too much of Joker. Because I fundamentally think Joker was a great idea. But the overall execution is up its own butt. And 
the fact that this is what we're getting from Cruella. So she snaps at some point and then is like, oh, my dress is on fire and it disappears. Yes. Which is insane. And then she's like robbing a bank and there's moths or something. Or she she puts moths at a fashion event. So definitely she's going crazy. But I don't need the... I, I think, Sam, you're right, the comparison to Joker. I think if that was all this, it would be great. But making her someone in the beginning where you're like, oh, she was, you know, just wanted to do weird-ass fashion where she killed all these dogs or <laughs> birds or what cats, who knows? I don't know. It's I don't, I, it's very strange. That, like I hope it's as weird as we want it to be because then it'll be a success in my opinion. <laughs> I think they're going to lean heavy on the fashion end of it, it seems. And I'm cool with that. I'm just like, I'm really curious as to how they're going to get us to the Cruella that we know. Um, But yeah, like the Joker comparisons are there. And I think just like Joker by the end of Cruella, maybe she's going to realize that we live in a society. (laughs) She's going to do the smile. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with blood and she gets into a car accident yeah. what was too much in this was the dalmatians barking at her <laughs> right the dogs and they're don't CGI like her immediately. dogs yeah too which was they're full they're really noticeable they're all in on the cg animals there's not going to yeah. be a lot i expected animal. john favreau to just pop up and be like it's real <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like hey where's spider-man but speaking on trailers where we may or may not live in a society where honor is a distant memory. Uh, we have the first official trailer for Zack Snyder's Justice League. I'm taking this, Ryan. You can go have a snack. You've seen a photo, but you don't want to talk about it so it doesn't stick into your memory. Nope. Sam, what what did you think of the official Zack Snyder's Justice League trailer. Well, no hallelujah. So, I mean, different already. Um, Some would say better. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay, so this is coming from someone who hasn't seen the original, the Joss Whedon cut. Um, You haven't seen that either? No. No, I kind of fell off the DC train. We should do a podcast where we just talk about those two movies. Yeah, we just go frame by frame. No, I I think it... In, I, Ryan is actually here. What I, quite frankly, think it would be better if you avoid the theatrical entirely till after you've seen Snyder's version. Because, like, your guess... Like, you're anticipating that it would be, what, more painful to get through the theatrical? Like... Uh, th- Yeah, obviously. But I think one of the main criticisms, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off, is people are like, well, I feel like I've seen this. The bones are going to be similar, but I feel like (laughs) Joss Whedon's version is almost like a zombie. We're like, this was alive at some point. And I feel like Snyder's version is going to be what Ben Affleck looked like. Or no, sorry. Well, Ben Affleck or Henry Cavill with their shirts off, which is like, I understand this. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, trying to understand what the whole, like, the, what happened, basically, the whole process of it. Sure. Like, 
what we uh, what I guess people got with the Joss Whedon cut was the crew and the actors just finished making a movie and then they were told oh actually we're gonna have to make that again but just so just keep your clothes on and let's quickly shoot this like Mm -hmm. you know so that's kind of the attitude that was probably uh, that movie was made with but anyway like looking at the trailer lots of crazy visuals happening it the the movie looks a lot darker than i expected like it's it's a dark looking movie with like a dark color palette and uh it looks very like visceral it looks like the very 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 action heavy um yeah i mean i don't know like it i'll let you do i'll let you you know go deeper into it but uh it piqued my curiosity i'm still very concerned as to how this can be four hours long kyle i'm like four hours okay four we've we've probably mentioned this on every podcast and i apologize if you're hearing this for the what are we on episode 11 the 11th technically would be the 12th if i didn't have editing issues so bvs is about essentially three characters and it was three hours long in its inception we have potentially eight i have each of their logos on my sleeves eight members in this movie so if each of those characters gets half an hour you're at four hours that like that's a three-hour movie can feel long oh i i like, no, i will be the first to tell you bvs ue is long it, but, but i but think like, it is easily digestible in three hour portions sure yeah it's just like if you are sitting down for that four hours i mean Zack snyder is a, a crazy visual filmmaker so i'm assuming he's just like throwing all the tricks at the screen just to keep your attention sure. yeah. but i mean if not then like there, I, I imagine there's going to be some parts that are, are going to, you know, lag a little bit. I don't I, know. I'm sure. I I think what I'm most excited about was the cohesive nature that this looks. I think we can all agree when you watch a Snyder movie, it is pretty to look at. And Im- so for context for you, Sam, imagine watching. Actually, this is the perfect metaphor. Imagine watching the hallway fight of Daredevil. Okay, season one. Arguably one of the best looking scenes in that entire show, right? Imagine every 30 seconds in that fight, actually less than, every five, just because the fight's probably, what, only five minutes long? Every five seconds, I cut to a Power Ranger fight. That is the drastic nature to which the theatrical cut even attempts to look like a movie. And I think what I'm most looking forward to is not the, I wouldn't, somebody may react if I say thought provoking, but the depth of which these characters were going to get explored, I think deserves four hours. We are being truly introduced to Aquaman, Cyborg, and The Flash, as well as continuing to explore the other three characters, we may or may not see Martian Manhunter. I know if we are, but I'm not going to tell you. And there's just in the tra- I've watched the trailer. What well, it came out on Sunday. I've watched it ten times. 
because my goal is to watch it 60 times in total, which will have removed anything of the theatrical cut from my brain. Because it's a two-minute trailer. I only have to watch it 60 times. The theatrical cut is two hours. Overall, I think there's so many inter- there's so many great things to look at in this. We are seeing Ben Affleck before he relapsed, and he's a healthy person. We get more nightmare sequences, which is exciting to see that stuff get explored. This is the coolest version of Batman we've had in the last decade. I'm holding up a nightmare action figure. We're getting Jared Leto's Joker truly interacting with Ben Affleck's Batman, which if you were running any version of the cinematic of cinematic Batman, they should interact. And we see that, and it was amazing. Small anecdote, you guys will find this really funny. And if anybody's been around small children, they might find this funny. I was re-watching the trailer on my phone, and I was getting to the very last bit, and Melody kind of sits on my lap and goes, Joker man! That's what she calls the Joker. And he goes, we live in a society. <laughs> and uh, she didn't say that. The trailer did. Where honor and is a distant memory. And he goes, isn't that right? A millisecond before he says Batman, Melody went, Batman. Wow. <laughs> and I burst out laughing because it was perfect timing by my three-year-old. But <laughs> overall, I'm really excited to see this vision pulled together we are going to get some incredible action sequences that were taken away from us and we got thirsty steppenwolf the internet loves that steppenwolf because he's got a thick booty just (laughs) twitter is all about steppenwolf and i find that amazing checking out his booty while he's like demolishing amazon yes overall i think this is going to be a cohesive story that is Ultimately, I think the a victory in, and I'm not going to say an artist, but a director being able to finish his vision that he was hired to tell. And if you're not on board for it, quite frankly, don't watch it because I don't care. He's ma- he has done this for free, so that way the his the fans of his films will get to see his movie. Zack Snyder d- was paid zero dollars to finish this cut. Junkie XL did this for free. All the money went to the reshoots, paying the actors, and getting the visual effects done. And Darkseid and Granny Goodness are in it. And I'm really excited to see Apocalypse. Well then, I guess in what? three four weeks now a month 29 days yeah we're gonna get to finally see this thing all four hours of it can't wait to hear all about Zack snyder presents kyle's three-year-old the next (laughs) (laughs) spinoff i do know i know we rip on hallelujah as much as martha but i i do believe that Hallelujah was Autumn's favorite song, that yes. Leonard Cohen version. So I yeah. believe that's why he continues to use it. Ah, uh, but it is a good joke still to make fun of Zack Snyder and his overuse of certain things. What I find hilarious is that people think he's not in on the joke in Watchmen. The use of it in Watchmen is the joke. Like this man is able to perform sexually. So Hallelujah, like it's a joke, and people think that's what I love is. Film Twitter thinks they're smarter than Zack Snyder. (laughs) But they're not. (laughs) (laughs) 
I know I've performed equally as well listening to that song, so <laughs> I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> Speaking of peak performance, uh, arguably the two most popular writers in film and TV now with Donald Glover and, oh, my brain. Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Phoebe Waller-Bridge are going to be teaming up again, a solo reunion in the form of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, the series on Amazon Prime. We don't have anything to talk about in terms of outside of that, but are you guys on board for this show? I am absolutely a thousand percent. Because if we believe that Donald Glover will have sex with Phoebe Waller-Bridge as a robot, definitely going to believe it when they're both actual human beings. Ryan, thoughts? Yeah, I'm like I'll watch the show. Uh, it's going to be hard to top that movie. I do love that movie, even though it's seven shades of awful. But there's some dumb fun in it that I enjoy watching. This one, it's got the potential to really be something. But I worry that it's the wrong property to team these two back up for. Is the one thing that I'm kind of iffy on. I love them as a team. Love to see them on screen together and what they can do. Just don't know if Mr. and Mrs. Smith is the one property that I'm like, that's the remake I want right now. <laughs> we got to reboot this fucking thing. Yeah. So I'm, I'm obviously going to check them out. Like I'll watch either of them in whatever their next project is, but you got to sell me on this property. I got to see what the tone of this is in a trailer first. Yeah. I'm a fan of these two. These two are really funny, really clever um and that's kind of what i'm hoping that we get from from this show that they get to really shine with their with their humor and and the cleverness uh i'm not really a fan of the of the movie i mean it's kind of bad like i don't i I just remember thinking the whole time watching it just like wow that's bad but <laughs> I, I, I felt like come on Vince Vaughn so, lives with his mother he's got the, machine guns everywhere <laughs> the chemistry was so good it ended a marriage so that's this is kind of what I feel like what, why that movie lives on is because obviously what happened on that set and and it, what didn't it, it is a cool premise it is a cool premise and I think it deserves to be redone um it is interesting that these are the two that are going to redo it. So I hope it's just like a a different angle or something. Cause I don't know. I feel like that movie is all about like sex appeal. Like they're banging and then there's guns in their hands and they're shooting each other, but they're actually just going to bang. And, and I don't know. Is that what this show is going to be? I, I can't really see that. So, um, it would be nice to see a trailer. Uh, I mean, these two have earned my trust, so yeah, I will. I will see what they what they turn out here. Kyle, I was gonna pull up a clip really quickly of uh, Phoebe Waller Bridge just saying it works from Solo, but I couldn't find it quickly enough. <laughs> so I am. Um, I I don't really have anything more to add. I think. Attracting these two actors slash screenwriters to this project, there must be a great idea because they're at this point now where they don't have to do anything they don't want to do, which is why I'm begging Dan Hartman to get off his ass and write the community movie. 
Oh, I'm sure he's written something. Then make it! He's busy with writing a thousand Rick and Morty episodes. Did you guys, complete tangent, then we can get to the review. Did you guys watch their Zoom uh, um, script reading? No, I do remember them announcing it or whatever, but I never watched it. You know why you should watch it? Because Walter Goggins' character is played by Pedro Pascal. <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> He's everywhere. He's doing everything. So they do this. It's the it's the episode. I don't know if you remember with Walter Goggins. It's the one when they read Pierce's will. Right. So you get this and a container of his frozen sperm. Like it just it breaks. Pedro Pascal, and it's amazing. But you know what didn't break me? Our upcoming movie review. Yes, because Pedro Pascal, he's everywhere. And Regina King, as we mentioned, is everywhere. And she is the director of the movie we are reviewing next, called One Night in Miami. One Night in Miami is the title of this uh, movie that we will be reviewing and not Sam's bachelor party story that he will tell another time. This movie starring Kingsley Ben Adir as Malcolm X, Eli Gorey, I believe is Muhammad Ali, Cassius Clay, Aldous Hodge as Jim Brown, Leslie Odom Jr. as Sam Cooke. And as we mentioned earlier, directed and by Lance Regina Reddick. King. I was going to skip him. He has like three lines. <laughs> He's just as impactful in this as he is in the first John Wick. And Michael he Emporioli. Was, he was in The Wire. That's The Wire was not this movie. I'll put it that way. I'm, um, so I'm very curious because we have not talked about this at all. Yes. Well, yes. As we just named some of the cast, some of the characters are wondering what the heck are all those guys doing together? So, coming from you live, IMDb, Sam, what do they got to say about One Night in Miami? Well, IMDb says it's about a fictional account of one incredible night where icons Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown gather discussing their roles in the civil rights movement and cultural upheaval of the 60s. Heavy stuff. Heavy stuff indeed. Well, with that then, let's just let's jump in with a non-spoiler review for one night in miami just based on that so sam you want to keep going yeah sure um this is uh this is a pretty good movie i like this movie a lot i uh i was going into it pretty excited um solely based on the premise like this is a this is a solid premise um the fact that these guys we're at one spot at one time uh, in history. Obviously, we don't know what was said or what happened that night, but to think of a fictionalized account to see that, um, these were big figures back in the 60s, and uh, you have to think that they probably, like if they were good friends, they probably would uh, go deep into conversations about their roles in, in, uh, in the civil rights movement. Um, crazy story, and I was actually really excited to see what uh, Regina King could do with it because uh, I'm a big fan of hers. She's a great actress, and uh, 
to see her direct, I, I was ready to support that for sure. And um, she didn't disappoint. I think like it's a solid, uh, a solid premise and a solid uh, movie to to to, de to debut with. You know, like it's quite simple. It's really just these people in one hotel room talking for most of it. Um, and, and just to briefly back that up, it is based on a play as well. Right. Right. And it, it feels that way. It, it, it really feels that way. It feels very much like a stage play. You could see how it, w it would work that way. Um, yeah. Like, and it, I think very similar to the movie that re we reviewed last week. Um, <laughs> I have to remind you. No, about, you stole my, uh, Never mind. I'll still do my bit. Oh, okay. Um, but it's a, it's a, a movie with characters in one location, just kind of, you know, just talking, you know, these guys don't go as intense or as heated as the, as Malcolm and Marie, but, um, yeah, very good performances. I, I, I loved every single performance in this. Like I think every, everyone has, I think, I feel like equal screen time and everyone, uh, pulls their weight. Like it's, it's great performances. I honestly could see any one of them getting nominated for something but by the looks of it uh i think leslie odom jr is going to be front runner or uh sorry i'm forgetting his name buddy who played malcolm x uh which i think dude from noel <laughs> kingsley <laughs> benadir right kingsley benadir so hard not to say ben kingsley um <laughs> but yeah i think those two are the showier roles so they might get the mo uh, most play anyway um, it, it's a very dramatic story with some like heavy issues and, and stuff that is still relevant today and things that like people are wrestling with today still um, so yeah I mean if you have a Amazon Prime account I would highly recommend you, you check this movie out it's sitting right there for you so I liked it there you go. One night in Miami. Uh, it's also, I guess, two episodes ago when we talked about Golden Globes. And Sam just mentioned it. Leslie Odom, Odom Jr.'s supporting character nomination. He also has a song nominated for original song. And Regina King is nominated for Best Director for it. Kyle, what'd you think? I really enjoyed One Night in Miami's monologue. Um, I thought it was really interesting that a good chunk of this movie is characters monologuing at each other, which I said to Nalina, why did this have to happen after last week's movie? Because that became more abundantly clear, especially given the fact that two thirds of this film takes place in the same location. We, I, <laughs> I was going to say, we like, we picked Mank black and white movie then we went to another black and white movie and then from there we went to another just straight up monologuing movie weird what is next week <laughs> i don't know uh, I'll, oh, it, we'll make the connection later yeah. for that one um no i thought the performance in this were really interesting i kept thinking about a, a hamilton song which is uh where the room where it happened or happens which i don't think have either of you seen hamilton yet not yet. Negative. You're the only two people in the world who have. <laughs> I'm waiting to see it live. <laughs> You'll be waiting a really long time. Anyways, I thought 
this was a really well put together film. I couldn't believe how relevant it was still. Not in terms of the sentiment that these three people from history are conversing about. I'm not going to lie. I was a little confused as to why Jim Brown was there. <laughs> Although I loved Hawkman. I thought he gives a very subtle, per like a very subdued, but significantly impactful performance. I mean, Jim Brown was a, you know, a significant, you know, NFL player. Yeah. I, He's I, still I, like I just, the top one. He yeah. has like crazy stats I, I, or something. I'm aware of his statistics. I just meant if you look at the other three people, I guess. I, I would yeah. say also. If there was one of their yeah. stories that. Yeah, sure. Kinda... I guess so. But like if you would think, you know, you know, crazy uh, good NFL player who also would then cross over into movies like. OJ Simpson. <laughs> well, that was later. But you know, Jim Brown <laughs> paved the way. It's true. But Jim I, Brown I was also oh, an asshole. If you look up like his like marital issues and everything, he's not a good yeah. not a good guy. That's uh, probably the autobiography of most NFL players. Overall, I, I I thoroughly enjoyed the movie. I think the it gives a really great. This to me was what I hoped we would get from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which is a movie I think was way too beloved where I think it completely missed the point and it used characters just for the sake of having them and doing nothing with them. I think Regina King's direction in this, it's not crazy, but it's very sub it's I use this word already. It's subdued and the, she gets her point across with all the different shot choices and getting the performances out of these actors. The writing is great clearly because it's from a it's from a play like you said, Ryan. So the the dialogue has to be captivating or you're just watching four people talk. But overall, I I really enjoyed it and I thought that it couldn't have come out it, this could have come out at any time, but given how it came out came out at the end of 2020 and a lot of the the things they're discussing are still relevant, it it hit me re, it hit me really really hard. I'll just yeah I'll echo a bit kind of what's been said as well it's it's a very unique story it's at this important point in time and we get a potential look at this conversation as Sam and IMDB alluded to it's a fictional story because we do know that they hung out this night we don't know what was actually said this night but it's probably fair to assume at this point in time given the landscape the politics everything this had to weigh heavily on that night as well as maybe every conversation they had. Uh, so yes, like four very prominent and undeniable black icons at this point in time is what we got a kind of an inside glimpse as to what they would say. And that conversation was interesting if it went anything like what the movie portrays. Uh, just the weight of what media would and the world, like how these characters would feel that on their shoulders, arguably like the best boxer, the best NFL player, the most, I guess, prolific uh, political figure. And I'll come back to this later. And Sam Cooke, who I had no idea who the fuck Sam Cooke was before this. And uh, just kind of learned that he 
I would assume was probably one of the most prominent musical talents at this point in time. Uh, so yeah, I think it just it asks a lot of interesting questions and it poses a lot of interesting topics regarding race, faith, social status, and the values and the characters of these people. And it's just kind of a clash. Like it feels like some of them felt like they were eye to eye with each other on certain topics, but then they'd clash later on different things. And that kind of went around the room with everybody and just, yeah, where each person sat, where their beliefs and their, I guess what they were thinking at that point in time, no one was on the same page. And that's what made it really interesting was kind of what, was the best way to step forward for all of them at this point in time. So yeah, the potential of just the moment, the possibilities are what really made this exciting kind of pop off screen, which is that conversation. Um, anyone else have anything to add before we start spoiling shit? Um, just a really quick uh, trivia thing that, the, the screenplay and the stage play was written by Kemp Powers, who was also the co-director of Soul. Uh, ah. So he's having quite, he had quite the year of 2020. Two hit yeah. movies. That's impressive. Do we know if he was nominated for either of those? That's a good question. I feel like he might be. Golden Globes. Yeah, I don't, does Golden Globes do screenplay? I don't know. That's true. That's that's one to look at during the break. We'll get back to you on that sure, one. Yeah. But why not why not jump into that break now? Because we are going to put a pin in the non spoiler review for One Night in Miami, but we're gonna continue after this break and we're gonna spoil everything. We're gonna I guess give a bit more detail as to what was said, who these characters were and what was done throughout this movie. And with that, more of our thoughts and what we kind of think using examples at that point. So if you want to stick around after the break, here come spoilers for One Night in Miami. Here is your final warning for spoilers for One Night in Miami. And coming in on the wire, this breaking news for this episode, Kemp Powers not nominated for his writing on One Night in Miami or Soul. So that's unfortunate, but as we mentioned earlier, the Golden Globes did nominate them for Best Director with Regina King, Best Supporting Actor for Leslie Odom Jr., and Best Original Song. Also, Leslie Odom Jr., and I believe he did it with Sam Ashworth. All right. Let's give the proper shout-outs, but here they are. That, that bought you guys enough time to dip out if you wanted it or not. Here come the spoilers. Kyle? One night in Miami. What would they talk about in this? I guess we'll spoil that part too in this little room. All right. The year is 1963. The birth year of my father. Shout out to Dave. Uh, nice. And uh, and uh, pre proto Muhammad Ali, known as Cassius Clay, is fighting a boxing match against henry cooper and he's just fucking with him just dodging him he's like you you ain't you ain't so mad i just picturing rocky three during this but that's just because those movies have ruined any version of actual boxing and he's just dodging ducking weaving dodge duck dip dive and dodging messing with him and then he gets he's 
sees some people in the audience. We don't know who till later. And he just gets socked. And the movie makes you think he lost initially. But he's obviously going to Miami for the title if you're paying attention. So I don't understand why they cut there. And then we meet Jim Brown. And I was like, hey, it's MC Ren from Straight Outta Compton. <laughs> he all grown up. What else was he in? He was and in I- um, Invisible Man. Yes, he is. He's yeah, the police yeah, officer in yeah. Invisible And he is Hawkman. And he is going to be such a dope Carter Hall. I'm so excited for that. Hawkman is a guy with big wings and he's shirtless. And ha- wears this. He has a giant axe. It's going to be awesome. I'm very excited. Because he, I like him. I, I, he's been one of those actors when he shows up in stuff. I'm like, yeah, MC Red. <laughs> I feel the same way. He just shows up in these iconic pieces of like African American history biopics. Right. And it's a good career to have. I almost feel like before you go into this, you should probably watch Ali and Malcolm X just for some context. Because Nalina looked at me and she's like, Malcolm X and I, she's like, I don't like she knows of him but doesn't really know really anything about him. I don't know. This this might be a good way to introduce people to these characters and then and then true explore yeah that's true alley or whatever and it is cool it is cool that there are these separate movies already focused on just the singular lives of these people yeah right like the prologue we kind of see what these four were doing before that night yes. yes so then sorry so we meet jim brown and he's up at the kentucky fried chicken house he was well he like when he was driving up and i'm like okay they're driving up to this what looks like it was a plantation. Yep. And I'm like, okay, what? Where they is shot going Django on? Unchained, yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> I was wondering what the heck was going on here, and it's, it's and you you sorry, go ahead. No, I was just gonna say that it's like, it's you're at first you're like, oh, okay, this guy's friendly, right? Well, no, I, the, let me not. There's okay. so much more okay. before that. There's so much more. So he pulls up to this house, and you're like, okay, it's Jim Brown. I Jim Brown is probably the person I knew the least of in terms of actual human beings. Ryan's more of a football fan than I am. I was going to say, I'd probably say I, he, I know him the most of all these guys. Yeah, yeah, that's probably very true. And so he walks up and this lady's like, oh, a black man! She doesn't say it, but you can see it on her face. She's a racist. And you don't know where it is exactly, but you're like, this is the South. Just in terms of aesthetic. Because I said to Nalita, this is either New Orleans or somewhere in that realm of places. And she's like, oh, my God, you're Jim Brown. He's like, yeah. She's like, I'll be right back. And you don't think it's odd that he doesn't come into the house initially. And then some old guy comes down. He's like, oh, Jimmy B. Blah, da, 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 da. I love you. You're great. Oh, Obadiah is- Stane's brother. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Is it? It is, yeah. yeah. Bo Bridges. Bo Bridges. Yeah. Oh. I- He's a Bridges. I don't- I, okay, I, thank you. <laughs> he's, he's, one, he's one of the 21 bridges. Yeah. <laughs> R.I.P. King. Well done. Well um, done. And so he comes down, he's talking, he's like, I told your aunt I'd do whatever you ever needed. Blah, 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 blah. And then she's like, oh, Papa, can you move this furniture? And you're like, oh, this is a nice guy. <laughs> and he's like, I got to move this furniture. He's like, oh, I can help you. And he's like, well, come on, Jimmy B. You know, and then he says it, and <laughs> whoa! <laughs> Is it? It's the only use of yes. that word. In he the uses movie too. that. He uses the word 
aren't allowed in the house. And I went, oh, oh, okay. I know we're in the 60s, but we're okay. And this is when I realized Quentin Tarantino should never, ever use this word on a script ever again. Because he's an obnoxious screenwriter and it's... I hate it so much when it shows up in his movies. Sorry, that's just me venting slightly. I will say before we jump into the next scene that this scene really, I think, set up just a big punch to the jaw. Because when that was said and that kind of shifted this entire... like. This scene was well done where it's kind of like, oh, they're kind of buddies. They're kind of nice. Like Jim Brown's kind of like not elevated, but he's above that status now where he's treated. Because, because he's an athlete. Yeah. Because he's an athlete. He's protected. And just, yeah, it completely got shifted. And I was like, holy shit, this movie's going to be heavy to watch uh-huh. at that point. So that was a very good scene. Just the amount of shift to the it accomplished very quickly. Yes. And then next we get to see... Sam Cooke at the Copa Copa Cabana he wants his guy to play him there but that guy says no get out of here at the Copa Copa <laughs> and that's what happened so he wants his guitarist to be on stage he's like nope um, I think he says something derogatory you play in the back and he goes okay fine great and there's this comedian telling really bad jokes as the opener so then Sam Cooke comes out and he royally screws up the gig he like drops the mic stand and it's a big old mess. And I I just see Leslie Odom Jr. as Aaron Burr because I've watched Hamilton probably ten times. Not that it's his fault, but I was just like, hey, Aaron Burr has hair now because he's bald in Hamilton. And <laughs> and I was like, hey, I don't have that problem. I've never yeah, seen Hamilton. <laughs> fortunately for you guys. So and then we meet Malcolm X, who is that has to be the hardest role, I think, in this movie because of the Spike Lee film. He he's playing like it's a character, a role that obviously was famously played by Denzel. Yeah. Um, but then you're playing Malcolm X just like in general that is that's that's a hard thing to to pull off. Oh yeah, for sure. So he is talking to his wife Betty about something. What's he going to do? We don't know. Well, we do know, but we don't know yet in the movie. But if you know, you know. You know. And so they're all prepping to go to Miami. And for the title fight, I had to get one in there. So they all show up to Miami. They're all going to be there for the fight. They're all kind of getting set up. And then we see the uh, Ali training in the pool, which I looked over to Lee. I was like, yeah, have you, do, do you know that? No, had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> Arguably some of the most iconic sports training footage of all time. Oof, over her head it's like that's precious I wish I didn't know um, so Cassius is there and then I realized his trainer is one of the dudes from the Sopranos yeah, <laughs> yeah. Michael and Porioli yeah <laughs> and uh, then you so th- she does such a great job in this movie of just kind of peeling back a layer when you feel that well, it wasn't so bad and you're like like, she, she drops a bomb on you with the N-word earlier. And then when the trainer's like, the white people, the white people, the white people. And I just, 
made me sad. I was like, wow, the 60s are bad. That's almost, that's 60 years from now. It, yeah. And like, so now what's that different? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it made me uncomfortable yeah. it, it, and sad. And so he's like, I'm going to go see Malcolm anyways. And so they go to meet up and they're going to pray and they do a full um, Islamic slash Muslim prayer. And that was a really cool scene. I I couldn't tell you actually. Well, like, I'm is there a scene of that? No, the big sick. He pretends to go and pray, but he doesn't. Yeah, he just right? like texts in the basement or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I couldn't tell you the last time I saw an accurate representation of an Islamic prayer done in film. So I thought that was really, really awesome. I don't think it might have been Malcolm X, <laughs> to be honest, the film. It doesn't happen a lot. And if it does, no, it's, it's usually awful. like, unfortunately, they're, they're the for obvious in an episode reasons. of 24 or something. Yeah, where it's probably not accurate. Right. They're prob they probably, unfortunately. Anyways, so they're talking about, um, is Cassius going to make the trip? I kept just saying, could we just have called him Muhammad? Like, you're not going to touch that. Spoilers, they do in the film. Uh, <laughs> and they say, yeah, I'm going to... Don't worry, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. We'll all be at the fight. And then you have, like, the Avengers assemble of these iconic black guys showing up to the fight. And he beats Sonny Liston, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So the, they, the boxing match happens. You're all there. Oh, I'm sorry. Prior to that, we see Sam Cook in this real swanky-ass hotel. And they don't really talk about how he got there. And I didn't really think about it, but I'm glad the movie brought it up. So he's with his girl who's... He's working on a song that he's probably going to sell. But the guy he would sell it to is not going to sing it. I can't remember who he says he's going to sell it to. It's not important. And then, so we go to the boxing, so boxing match happens. Then they all go to the hotel, and that's where we see Lance Reddick, a.k.a. the, oh, what are they called at the hotel? It's just, uh. Yeah, I forget. Um, the Brotherhood? No, right? no, no. Like, at the hotel, in the Continental, he's like the, what do you call those oh, people? Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. The concierge? Concierge, thank You're you. You're talking about yes, John Wick. I'm talking about John Wick, yeah. Yes, okay. Yes, uh, he's there, and they are protectors from the Church of Islam, the Nation of Islam. And he's like, oh, the party. Sam Cooke shows up, and they let him in, and no one is there. <laughs> this is not a party. This is the room where it happened. And then the other three show up in a car, driven by Lance Reddick. Sorry, he was in the car. You've got, like, newbie brother protecting the tour. So they all go in, and then this is where most of the film happens, where they're having conversations about what they're going to do. It's then revealed to the others that Cassius is going to fully convert and become a brother of the Nation of Islam. While we're not being told this, we find out later that things are not going well for Malcolm Boy in the, uh, in the, in the nation, and that he's feeling watched and he feels danger for his life and then we have some very 
very well done monologues about what they're doing for their people, that being the horribly treated African-American community of the United States. We get several discussions of this from all of their different perspectives. There's only vanilla ice cream in the freezer, of course, because Hawkman wanted chocolate and some pussy. And he didn't get either <laughs> in, this, in this movie. Or maybe he did. Not in the movie. Fair enough. It's not shown. It didn't happen. And then they go on the roof. They get into a fight. And Lance Reddick's like, I'm going to drop you. And Hawkman's like, I will break you in half. Because I'm Hawkman. Slash Jim Brown. And I think the conversations between these guys are really thought-provoking and what they feel like they are doing and the binds that they are in, metaphorically and maybe potentially literally. No no kink-shaming on this podcast. And they listen to Bob Dylan's song, uh, Blowing in the Wind, which always reminds me of Forrest Gump for some reason. And that is when Malcolm X pulls his trump card. Like, this white boy wrote this song. I'm paraphrasing. And you're just writing, like, jingles for t- quoting the crackers. That's what Malcolm X says. And this discussion they have, it's really... They're cutting deep into each other. And this is where you truly get to see the performances of these actors. And why I think, potentially... Leslie Odom Jr. got nominated because he's given the most range I think in the film he goes through a spectre the gauntlet of emotions and eventually they uh, Muhammad sorry Cassius and Sam leave to go get booze and we get a really great scene between the two Jim Brown and Malcolm X talking about why why are you doing this who are you doing this for and they talk about the spectrum of of skin color in African-American communities, which is probably something I've never thought of before. And I'm glad that the movie almost brought it to my attention because more education is, is never really a bad thing. And then we get them all meeting up and the, the paparazzi, I'm skipping a bunch because I think we'll probably talk about our overall impressions, but it's a lot of conversations and the media finally shows up. Malcolm still feels that he's being... He has a phone call earlier with his wife. And they, he's got this plan. So ultimately, he tells... Or Cassius tells them all he's going to convert. Which is when Malcolm drops the bomb that he's actually leaving the church of Mah- of Elijah. Yeah. Of Muhammad. I believe if I'm mispronouncing that or if I'm incorrect in the exact title, I apologize. I look it up as I continue to speak and that he's starting his own church. And it would be really great if Elijah Muhammad, that's what it was. And he's starting his own. And wouldn't it be great if I had the world champ to be there to support me? But ultimately they, they, uh, they meet each other. Oh, they find common ground with that. Because Cassius has decided this is what he wants. And when the press shows up, he wants Malcolm to be there with him to announce he is becoming a member of uh, the Nation of Islam. And then we get some quick cuts of what they're going to be, what they do afterwards. We see Muhammad Ali changing his name to Muhammad Ali. We see Jim Brown famously retiring mid-production of a movie. 
We then see Sam Cooke sing, sing a song to the person who least looks like Johnny Carson, maybe of all time. <laughs> and then we get to see Malcolm X's house burnt down. And we see a title card with his last, I might be doing that out of order, his last speech a couple days before he died. Powerful stuff. Powerful it's stuff. It's a heavy yeah. movie, but I don't feel at any point it's done condescendingly. I think it's yeah. presented in just a matter of fact. And I really buy the conversations that these characters, because they were real people, had. Like, it was completely believable that this could have happened. Yeah, it certainly covered a lot of ground. Yeah. And they sounded like these people. All of them had cadence that sounded like those real people they're portraying in the film. Yeah, I, like th- it for sure. Like, they, I feel like the actors really inhabited the roles in that. Like, they, like, they clearly appreciated these people and, like, you know, handled them with, with dignity. You know, like, uh, and, and, like, these were, like, fully rounded characters, too. Like, you got a sense of what all of them desire and all of them, like, fear. And it, it's just, like, you felt like by the end of it, you really, you really knew these guys. So I was very impressed by, by the acting in this because uh, it could have gone completely wrong, especially, like, when you're dealing with such, uh, you know, famous people. We all know what you know, Muhammad Ali sounds like, uh, so, and, and, and to be honest, I feel like maybe his, his performance is the most, how do I say it? Like, I'm the greatest. I'm the greatest. It's the closest (laughs) to an impression almost, but like it still works. It's a good impression. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that the movie did such a great job of making it feel like a movie. I feel that this, probably learned from something like fences where this need the way they present it it deserves to be on a screen not a stage because both were plays there's specifically a shot where malcolm is looking through the window and he's lit with the neon light where i'm looking at that and the way that they use the hotel room they're in it's not like a play where a character sits in a chair and they're in that chair and they might get up and then they're back in that chair. Like they, you, they, the camera moves around that room, and you're given moments with each character to really feel where they are. My favorite moment might be in the whole movie, is when Jim Brown is in the bathroom, and you can kind of hear the argument going on, and he's just looking at himself in the mirror. A lot of like literally self reflection happening. Yeah. Um, yeah. And but like, you don't need like a bon bon like <laughs> yeah but to to you know to to get onto the the point you made about just how like it's a stage play and how do you make this cinematic f- for Regina King to decide i guess in the screenplay that like at, at some point we're going to kind of flash back and see a a Sam Cooke performance that went wrong and he saved it and Malcolm X was there to witness it and just like to, to get to push to that performance and, and, and to see that, that was, I think, fantastic. Like a a great way to, to cinematically adapt this story. 
Yeah, the weirdest part was when uh, Philip Haldeman showed up and he's like, can I watch? And they were all like, no, Denny, five's the crowd. Because <laughs> this is all in a room, right? The room is what we're talking about. Oh, <laughs> oh hi, Malcolm. <laughs> so funny, Ryan. Yes, as I mentioned earlier, no prior experience came to mind of who Sam Cooke was, but I felt like getting to know him and seeing that his story actually was kind of the coolest to unveil and kind of was the most challenged, I would say, I guess from all the other members of the party, especially Malcolm X, who I guess because Sam Cooke was trying to put out songs that were marketable and commercially viable to everyone and then a bob dylan song comes on the radio and that kind of sets malcolm x off that sam cook has never really done political or protest centered music yet bob dylan just did in like just a simple song that was so powerful and that was really cool that he kind of challenged that Sam Cooke had a big voice, yet he wasn't doing anything with it. And, like, he wasn't taking that chance. And that is something that he not only could do, but had a certain responsibility to do. And just kind of seeing that whole argument and that whole point of view broken down and presented that way, it was really something that I feel like even today's celebrity probably could have had a similar conversation to that and been told that and it would have came you across mean like a lot the more. Kendall Jenner Pepsi ad exactly <laughs> like that that would have solved a lot of problems nowadays <laughs> yeah she just has to bring it to the White House and we're Absolutely. good I don't even know is that the right Jenner I don't even that is the right one so, yeah. is there, no okay. wait is it no yeah, Kylie. yeah it is yeah it is yeah yeah I'm thinking about it now yeah, it's yeah okay yeah. all right yeah but yes um Actually, you guys brought it up, and it's the only negative point I had on this movie, and that was the Eli Gorey, Muhammad Ali casting. I really dug him when he was normal friend Cassius Clay talking about his feelings, but when he was, like, turning on the Muhammad Ali thing, I was like, I'm not buying this at all. I've seen Will Smith do this and serve. Like, I'm so used to people going set that thing at 11 and let's go crazy with it then when i saw this i was like i don't believe this at all <laughs> like i'm not watching so that was the only part i was like i'm not big on this one this is the one guy i was like ah i don't know if i'm buying this one but yeah besides that i feel like occasionally it takes a little too long to get to the points they're trying to make so like it runs dry occasionally but the conversations are so interesting and so something that we're not used to seeing so often so that was what kind of kept pushing this movie forward that i was able to wait out those points but overall very informative i think it stems important conversations that have to be had and still need to be had and unfortunately for whatever reason they are still not being had in a lot of places yeah um i think regina king is going to like win an Oscar, if not for this, for another movie she's going to make in, down the road. Like, to come swinging out of the gate with this, uh, clearly she is talented enough to pick good material. I think whatever her next film is going to be, it's going to be uh, something to look forward to. So, 
Yeah, I think, uh, damn, Regina King is, is a powerful lady. Yeah, I kind of hope in the future, like, she's already won for acting. I hope she wins for directing, and I hope she gets a chance to write and can win for that down the line, too, and just, yeah, have just one of the most decorated careers, because yeah, it seems like any time she's on screen, she's getting nominated. Like, she's crushing it right now. Uh, 100%. But... With that, do we have any more we want to add to our One Night in Miami review? That is a resounding no. So that means <laughs> we will carry this on to the next stage of our review, and that is our patented Rickman scale. The Quest Beyond rates all movies on this singular scale, which is we all give the movie from 0 to 10 a rating. We can do point fives, and at the end we will average it out and let you know how many Golden Rickmans this episode, One Night in Miami, has. So with that, Sam, One Night in Miami, where's it, where's it landing for you? I'm going to give it uh, seven and a half scoops of vanilla ice cream. Seven and a half vanilla. Vanilla scoop of ice cream. All right. Kyle. I'm going to give it, after much consideration, an 8 out of 10. Who has half a scoop of ice cream? <laughs> it's when you kind of like well, bite it off the spoon, but there's still a lot left on the spoon. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's when the spoon's too cold. Yeah, yeah. or when sure. he's like eating it and somebody comes in asking for his autograph, so he has to put it oh, down. Put it down, dang He it. only gets half a scoop. Yeah, it. but that's when you need uh, Muhammad Ali to sit there and have a bite of ice cream and jam his spoon <laughs> into the bowl and just yell yeah. curse words. Yeah. Sting like a bee. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I'm the greatest. <laughs> Whoever lived. Catch phrases as he eats, yes. Uh, and I, going across the board from story, uh, it's definitely going to get high marks in story. Production-wise is where it's going to lose a few marks just because it was so singular-centered. There wasn't a whole lot going on for me. But entertainment, also pretty good marks. So I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10. So as I mentioned, the Muhammad Ali impression did not land for me. And it got a little dry from time to time. Or my so biggest rounds out to seven and a half. <laughs> I believe you are correct, as far as I can see. Yes, seven and a half golden Rickmans on the old Rickman scale. So that's a that's a top runner for us for the best movies we've reviewed so far. At least it's at least in the top three, from what I can see. And with that, I think we are recommending check out One Night in Miami. It's worth your time, and if you're already paying for Amazon Prime. What do you got to lose? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. That's what it's good for. Jeff Bezos wants you to do it, so. Not anymore, he doesn't. He's out. <laughs> true. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> He's gone. Um, but yes, with that, I guess we'll have to find our connection. As Sam mentioned, we went from Mank, the black and white film, to Malcolm and Marie, the black and white film where they also argued a whole bunch, which led to One Night in Miami in their argument. And next week, we will be reviewing The Rental, which can we argue that they are all set in this one place yeah. <laughs> for the whole time? So. No, I got it. It's a directorial debut. Oh, there uh, we go. There you go. That's There's a good There's two one. connections right there. I, I had to look up what our movie was really quickly, and then I've, I'm glad you remembered. 
So David, I want to make sure I'm right before I say that. David Franco. Yes, I'm right. Is, it is two feature film debuts. So little the little Franco is given the little Franco. The minor Franco. The respected Franco. Sure. Now. Yeah. Yeah. The not yeah, the only Franco in Hollywood's eyes currently. Dave Franco making his directorial debut with The Rental, which we will cover next week for you guys. And, of course, any news topics that will come out as well. Starring uh, The Beast and Annie from Community. That's right. That's right. <laughs> and there's one guy, I, I don't know his, his name, but um, I think he's an actor in Shameless. Kind of a weird-looking... William H. Dude. Macy? Yeah, William H. Macy's in it. <laughs> I think that... That covers a lot of those actors, Matt, because Cameron Monaghan's also can be considered... <laughs> Jeremy Allen White. There you go. So, yes. Come back next week for our review lip. on the rental. What? Lip. Is he lip? Yeah. And, yes, as we mentioned, any new stuff pop up. If you were kind enough to listen to us on Anchor Breaker, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Podcast, Radio Public, or Spotify, thank you for taking the time to... Give us a listen there if you have the time as well. Just give us a little click on the stars, on the reviews. Whatever you want to do, we will take it to heart and we will address it on the podcast. Especially if it's good stuff. <laughs> as we know in the past, it's all been negative stuff that we've corrected right away. So It's all technically good stuff here. Uh, but with that, thanks again, guys. We'll see you next week. Anyone got any closing closing remarks kyle you want to plug your twitch one more time i guess yeah um i'm hopefully by the time this comes out i'll be prepping for my first ever stream on uh, twitch.com slash lugan 17 that's the one and a seven i i've never streamed before i've been a longtime mod of uh shane southpaws and frequent viewer of a certain jess at homes who's happy enough to shout out to the podcast so yeah if uh, if you want to check out monday probably i think eight o'clock is my goal it's a first time stream so there might be some errors in in setup but i think i've got everything figured out so i'm going to be playing the medium which is a psychological horror game so <laughs> if you want to see me get freaked out by everything likely wearing some snyder apparel <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, and I'm playing it in. I was considering playing it in the dark, but I've since changed my mind. <laughs> <laughs> Probably for the best. That sounds like fun. Yeah. So. And I guess if it's close to a psychological thriller, I think that's what you're in for with our movie next week too. As far as I can. Yeah, go. that's true. So. so you yeah. got some back to back there. Yeah. It'll, it'll be fun. Uh, Sam designed my logo, so shout out to Sam for the logo. It's super cool. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I don't think we brought and, up that Sam designed us a new logo as well for yeah. the Quest Beyond. And I, it's, I want to put our new logo on a t-shirt. I yeah. love it so much. It is, it is yeah, the, the colors pop. So, Yes, they do. Especially if we can get like a real glow-in-the-dark material and go mini-putting oh, with them. Cool. One day in the future. In like oh, we just years. have to go to black and like glow-in-the-dark mini-putting and make sure the whole logo's white on <laughs> yeah. the print, right? Because then it would glow. All right, guys. Well, there's the episode for this week. Go check out One Night in Miami. And as always, we'll be back next week. Because we're not giving up. This is still too new for us. We're never going to surrender. Adeline, I'll...
I'll see you in Miami.